So you've been told, why are we testing it when I know it's going to work? Here's where your CEO is coming from. They care deeply about the business. We can all appreciate that. But you're going to want to demonstrate it is out of respect for the business and out of an abundance of caution that you want to recommend that we test it first. You want to protect the business. That's a message most can resonate with. Hello, everyone. Get ready to dive into the world of marketing and business strategies with another exciting episode of the VWO podcast. Our guest for this episode is renowned startup and tech advisor Arash Vakil. With years of experience in testing and experimentation, Arash is here to talk about how to overcome challenges and create an experimentation culture in your organization. In this episode, Arash sheds light on the common roadblocks of any experimentation culture. But wait, this episode isn't like your regular podcast. It's a unique webinar turned video podcast and it is delivered to you in the form of an exclusive masterclass. So don't forget to hit that follow button and join us as we speak to leading industry experts about some amazing stuff that can help you drive growth and achieve unimaginable success. Without any further delay, let's dive right into this conversation with Arash and understand more about building a successful experimentation culture. Okay, so what does it mean to have a culture of experimentation? First, let's cover what it certainly is not. It's not thinking of the brain. It's not two people sitting in the dark, scheming and trying to take over the world. And although it's extremely powerful, it's definitely not magic. A culture of experimentation consists of a methodical process where we generate and test hypotheses and then respond to the data to guide the next steps in our decision-making process, processes. We do this because we know that experimentation leads to innovation. It is a process as old as time itself. But how do we get to this promised land? And most importantly, why is there so much resistance? Let's look at a typical org. No matter the size of your organization, you've got some level of hierarchy going on, someone that's setting the company's missions and goals, and those that are executing against the mission. And within here, you've got department heads that are responsible for their piece of the puzzle, whether in product, marketing, or engineering. We'll get into the challenges with each and some potential strategies that may help you win over those department heads. But first, let's talk about some of the common themes I've seen why leaders and organizations may be hesitant to buy into an experimentation culture, and we'll break them down. I've spoken with dozens of senior execs, and I've come up with a few common themes. First, cost. We hear this too often. It costs too much. We can't afford it. We should be spending our resources against executing on the mission that I've set. Okay. Next, time. We simply don't have the time. We, always start, we, we don't have the staff to be able to do this. We're running a tight ship. Okay. Uh, last, ego. Why bother? I know what we should do. So let's break this down, starting with cost. Today's tools are similarly priced to other SaaS tools that are considered to be mission critical. And depending on how it's deployed, it can act as another mission critical tool that protects the business. We'll touch on this in a bit. Now, if there's absolutely zero budget, free tools exist to get you moving in the right direction. And hopefully from there, you can use that momentum to upgrade your, upgrade your tools to more feature-rich testing software like BWO. Last, the cost can certainly be covered by the potential impact of even the smallest of gains, which you get to lock in for life to your product. A seemingly small 2% gain is not a one-time deal. And the flip side is true as well. 
what if you could measure a change that caused your, met, uh, caused your metric to decline by 1%? Instead of it being rolled out and the changes go undetected and locked in for the life of the product, you've just prevented the full deployment, which in turn improved the company's metrics ever so slightly. These scenarios, although seemingly small at times, become too large of an opportunity to pass up. Let's move on to reason number two, time. Today's tools actually save time by allowing teams to conduct and execute tests without involving engineering teams. In fact, your partners in, in engineering can continue to work on their deliverables without getting distracted because these tools allow for some fairly sophisticated changes that can be made by non-engineering teams. So we've covered cost and time, and now ego. We touched on this a bit ago, but let's dive deeper. So you've been told, why are we testing it when I know it's going to work? Here's where a CEO is coming from. They care deeply about the business. We can all appreciate that. But you're going to want to demonstrate it is out of respect for the business and out of an abundance of caution that you want to recommend that we test it first. You want to protect the business. That's a message most can resonate with. Next, business metrics can change due to market conditions, which could be hiding the true impact of such changes and creating a false positive or negative impact that would otherwise go undetected and locked into your product metrics. Let's take a look at a couple of more scenarios. Here's your CMO, who is very sure that changing the copy on our homepage will lead to massive improvements in our business metrics. We've all heard this before. Here's an opportunity for you to use their initiative to help feed yours to gain common ground and support. When A-B testing isn't ingrained into your company's DNA, you're going to want to use any opportunity to bring testing into the discussion. Many of us on this call know that A-B testing isn't all about the wins, but it's also about risk mitigation. Not only validating wins, but also protecting the business from poor decisions. Last, let's move to another member in our C-suite, the CFO. Here's another scenario they might come up against, the completely arbitrary sale, which some of you may be running today. What you may not know is that they might be under a great deal of pressure by their board or their CEO to increase sales before quarter end, but at what cost? In this scenario, you might be thinking, are we sacrificing long-term revenue for a short-term gain? Can we help your CFO justify a new data-driven strategy to protect and grow your revenue streams? Perhaps we can, we can prove through A-B testing, discounting isn't our best option, and there's a more innovative way to unlock revenue growth, perhaps through product improvements or copy changes. So here we are, some common reasons as to why you might get some pushback, but there's an overarching theme here. People just do not want to be wrong because if they're wrong, for some people, their feelings and ego will be shattered. And lastly, probably most importantly, your ideas can't be wrong if you don't test them. Think about it, it's a diabolically genius move. I know, I get it, it's frustrating, we've been there. So now everyone's all depressed because I've listed a bunch of problems you probably faced, but don't worry, I've had some success working with teams in building their AP testing strategy for wide adoption and approval, and one that sets them up and their organization for success. 
the first thing you're going to want to do is assemble your team. This isn't a solo mission and you'll find greater success in numbers. You guys remember offices and human interaction? That was so 2019. Actually, so this picture doesn't seem quite right. Ah, yes, much more 2020. So what are some key areas you should be thinking about when creating your team? First, your goal is to build a broad base of support across your organization, a groundswell, if you will. There are two main reasons here. One, cross-functional group will enable you to have multiple points of influence up and down the org chart. Two, you'll need all the ideas you can get. Everyone is in different stages of their life with different priorities. So naturally they use different products. Let's take a look at a quick example. Here, here's a look at some of today's top grossing apps in the stores today. These apps are in the dating, music, entertainment, casual gaming categories, all with different retention and monetization methods that could be applied to your business when you're generating hypotheses. So be sure to tear down any walls between different functional areas and build alliances with your colleagues in marketing, sales, product, and engineering. This will only help your chances in getting the testing momentum that you need. Next, insights. So now that you've got your team in place, you have to understand where your product is today in order to, uh, to know where you're going tomorrow. First things first, take a close look at your data and look for areas of improvement. Map it out. For example, are you seeing there's a drop-off within your registration process? What steps might we take to reduce that? Start gathering and soliciting hypotheses within your organization. You're looking to get buy-in and alignment on the problems that need solving. But where do you start? This brings us to step three, start small. The overarching theme here is that you shouldn't bite off more than you can chew for a few reasons. Your goal is to build momentum as soon as possible. Going for the big wins may be tempting, but it's only going to increase anxiety within the organization. It may also require more approval, reviews, if you're going to, if you're going after pages that are claimed by, by someone else, for instance. Last, well, once we'll work up to testing in the checkout flow, because naturally you'll have far fewer visitors at this point in your funnel, and it will just take longer to get to statistical significance. Even for high traffic sites, it could take weeks, if not months, to reach a decision in a checkout flow. So now what? I recommend that you work on non-controversial items higher up in the funnel. That might mean you're working on less glamorous areas, but we need a win and we need to build momentum. So think about some areas that might indirectly impact your business, such as driving more visits to the contact us form, get more users to start filling out a form, push more users to start the checkout process by adding a call to action on a page unrelated to your normal flow. So now that you've decided on a test, let's move on to the last and final step and really the most critical step, show and tell. Often, I can't stress this enough, you want to be as open and as collaborative as possible to get broad buy-in uh, and, and broad support up and down the chain. I've seen way too many teams work in the dark on their A-B tests 
So what steps could we take to avoid that? You want to start from the beginning, listing ideas publicly, perhaps via Slack or some Google intake form. Once they're prioritized, you're, you'll want to publish a list of scheduled tests and even a weekly newsletter to, to review everything as you go along. This is all about transparency. So let's take a look at this in a little more detail. Here's what a Trello board may look like, for instance. Here we've got a very simple board showing different tests in different stages, hypotheses, planning, in queue, live, and done. You want as much data and visuals within these cards so anyone can look at the board and have a firm understanding of the intended goals, results, and next steps, if any. Moving on, your weekly show and tell should be no surprise, be weekly. Again, it's important to build momentum in the early days, so keep it consistent. Now, let's go on to the meeting itself. What's important to communicate here? You're going to want to cover the following topics. What tests are live? What results should we, re should we review? What tests are in the queue? Should we reprioritize what's in the queue? And last, the ideation phase. What new hypotheses should we add to the queue? Did we see anything out in the market that, that we might want to try and, and might apply for, to us as well? Okay, so what about the results? Are we going to have good news to report at every meeting? Unfortunately not, and definitely not. But just because a test lost doesn't mean it's the end of the world. In fact, even the strongest testing teams see only about a 10% success rate. So as the great Master Yoda once said, the greatest teacher failure is. I would go so far as to say we should be celebrating failure because it's a learning opportunity for us. So go ahead and highlight both successes and failures. It's a learning opportunity in every scenario because you can use those learnings in developing new hypotheses. So please remember to celebrate failures as well. Most importantly, sweeping failures under the rug does not build trust in the process. Here's the last bit of info about presenting your data. Make it relatable. You might get excited about a 2% increase in conversion within a multi-step funnel, but zoom out and show the bigger picture of what it could be and model out the potential impact for the various execs that might be able to influence and support the success of your initiative. Know your audience. Thank you, Arush, for these wonderful insights on building an experimentation culture. And thank you, folks, for sticking with us throughout this episode. Now, it's your turn to take action. Implement these game-changing strategies and let us know what impact it had on your business. Also, share this episode with anyone who could benefit from these insights and don't forget to check out the other fascinating conversations that we've had with industry experts. Before you go, make sure to hit that follow button so that you don't miss a single episode of VWO Podcast. That's a wrap from our side. Until next time, goodbye, take care, and always be testing.